0: I've guessed it's a little bit chilly up here hence the double hoodie hat uh no gloves on the fingers are bloody freezing wasn't gonna do a dog walk video today um told my boss on slack that i was going out to mooch the pooch for five minutes and he said is there gonna be a dog walk video for me to watch so ash your wish is my command this is on company time though. No, let's not forget that um joke by the way i'm not overstepping the mark so It's a nice, cool, crisp morning up here in the walls, but at the same time, there's not a lot of wind. Perfect to record a video. Uh, And I'm interested in something that's come out over the past couple of days, in that um, we've alluded to the fact that we're going to sign a project player. Uh, Heavy rumours that that it, it could potentially be Ben House from Eastleigh, who I'll come on to in a little while. Um, this is just something i have literally picking up from social media. So sometimes when I say the strong rumours or, or, or such and such, you know, I've got not inside information, but you have a bit of an inkling. Um, I've had nothing kind of no inkling from anybody um, official, not from any kind of contacts that will come to me and say, I think this is happening and I'll go, ah, that, that, that's probably going to happen. Then I've literally just picked it up from social media. Um, so I'll, I'll cover that in a little while now. I find it really interesting because I've long, long believed that the National League is a great place to go and pick up players. And I think you only have to look at players like um, the lad at Rotherham who plays centre-half. You said that will kill Lincoln. Uh, I can't pronounce his name. Would love to be able to. Not going to even try. It'd be embarrassing. Who, you know, played against us in the National League and then has gone on to kind of be an established football league player. And it's easy to talk about the likes of Charlie Austin and Jamie Vardy, I think, as well, who have gone on from the National League um, to have really good, strong careers. For Lincoln, it hasn't been quite as as uh, productive, I don't think. I think when you, you look at the likes of um, Simon Yeo and Richard Butcher, who have done very, very well for us, But they weren't really brought in as project players. They were brought in at a time where, you know, the whole Lincoln model was, let's just try and sign people from the National League because we can't afford to go and pick players from League One and even League Two. And it worked for us. Um, Over the years, we have gone for what you would probably count as project players. Uh, David Ridings was one that I I mentioned in the the worst signings. uh articles that I've been doing. He came from Halifax. He had got National League or Conference Player of the Year. It's got eight goals for them that season. It didn't work. It didn't work. Uh we have had project players in the past like Sam Klukas didn't work out for him at Lincoln, but was a you know a very very good project player in the long term. You could argue probably Remy Howarth, Remy Longdon now, uh was a project player. And look he didn't do too badly I think he was a player, though, that came from, you know, he worked his way into the Lincoln squad. We didn't say, right, we're going to do our due diligence, find the player that we want to sign, bring him in and work with him. Remy was very much, you know, knock on the door. And when it was open, he stuck his foot uh, in the door and said, here I am and and, and impressed that way. So um, this is the first time I think that we've seen Michael Appleton um, look for, or Michael Appleton's Lincoln. Let's say it's not a single player, but look for a project player from non-league. Danny did it. Wan Luke. Um, lots of interesting stories about Wan Luke uh, being at Lincoln. Certainly a player who looked like he'd got the talent. The fact he's since done nothing other than play in the National League suggests that maybe he didn't have. Um, we gave Lee Shaw a trial that summer. Didn't take a punt on him for. For, for some reason or for obvious reasons, because he then went to Chesterfield, didn't break through and and et cetera. So I think we've we've rarely dipped our waters in the dipped our toe rather in the waters of a project player. Could be for several reasons. You know, we know that this this regime likes to loan players out that aren't getting game time. Max Melbourne, Theo Archibald, classic examples, Ethan Ross last season. So we haven't really developed that I hate hate the word model, but we haven't looked at that model and gone, right, we'll develop a project player. We've kind of had players come in who don't get minutes. They're not really projects. You know, they want minutes. They go out. That's kind of it. I think when you're fishing in the National League waters, you're more likely to pick up a player who is willing to sit on the bench for a season, to come on for the last 10 minutes here and there. If we sign someone now who's willing to, to acknowledge that his first start for the club might well be in the EFL trophy next season because their players, <laughs> excuse me, I don't like to say that I'm more grateful for the opportunity, but that's what it is, isn't it? You sign a player from a premier league Academy into league one as a project player. He's going to come in and want to impact the first team. And I think about Charlie Brown at MK Dons. I think is a, it's a classic example of that. Moved from Chelsea, in and out of the team, uh, but hasn't at the moment really impacted their first team for a signif- on a significant level. And he'll be disappointed at that, having come from Chelsea. I think if you've come from Eastleigh, Bromley, Boreham and Wood, and you're given that opportunity, and you're the right character, you're more likely to wait for it. And I think history is littered, even recent history, is littered with... Examples of where it's worked, where it hasn't. Adi Yusuf, uh, when he joined, I think Mansfield, didn't work. I think uh, Mo Issa was at Greenwich, moved to Cheltenham, did very very well. Daniel Udo, to a degree, is a good example. Uh, he signed from Tel- moved from Telford to Shrewsbury, kind of been in and out at Shrewsbury. I think he's established as a kind of main striker now. Limited, like this man. Big Dave Cameron, uh, who did come out of non-league. Um, but, uh, you know, I think Udo probably got a little bit more about him. With Dave Cameron, what I would say, he'd played professionally in Scotland beforehand, so he's a little bit different. Um, and, and I always think, when I think about National League kind of treasures, so to speak, I always have three, a trio in mind, that we, Lincoln City, were... Sounded a little bit like another famous podcaster there. Oh, that we City uh city were heavily linked with. Um, either couldn't afford, didn't have the budget for, didn't couldn't pay the wages, I don't know. And then they went on to much, much better things. And they were Aaron McLean, George Boyd um, and Craig McCall smith And they were players that we were linked with kind of around the 2003-04 season, I think, might have been 4-5. Uh, and then they went to Peterborough History, age might be blurring my my memory, but I think that they went there under Keith Alexander. So I think Keith wanted them at Lincoln. We couldn't afford them. He's then gone to Peterborough, had the budget, brought them in. And look, you could argue that's where the current Peterborough model lay, you know, the the roots in the current Peterborough model, because when McAntony took over at Peterborough, they were like us. They were, but we picked them to the playoffs, I think. And uh, they were on that television show, Big Ron Manager, and that kind of got McAntony interested. So so Peterborough were a a League Two side at the time. Now that's unthinkable. Now they're a a yo-yo team. They have their moments in the championship. They don't last particularly long, but they're never threatened by relegation from League One. You could argue they do that by player trading. You couldn't argue it. It's fact. They do it by player trading. But what they do is they bring permanent strikers in because strikers fetched a big money. We talk about the first £1 million player for Lincoln. Um, we talk about, you know, it's, Sean Rowan's been mentioned in the past. I mentioned Alex Woodyard in the past. Lewis Monsmer has been mentioned. I saw somebody on Twitter yesterday saying Regan Paul, potentially. We talk about it, but it's never a striker. And the reason is that that's the one area of the field over the last... I'm even going to go as far as, as saying 10, 15, 20 years. We've never managed to have the striker who is 23, 24, 25, scoring 23, 24, 25 goals a season because they're the players that make you the money. They're the players that are your first million-pound transfer. Do you know what I mean? It's so much harder. If you had got a player like, uh, we talk about Regan Paul, if we've got a player 23 years old playing up top with Paul's reflective ability but in the striker role, not in, in the defender's role... There's every chance now that we would eat. We'd be looking at the first million pound sale and it's difficult in today's market. I take that people are less willing to spend a million pounds on players, but Matt O'Reilly, okay, he's not a striker at MK Dons, but he's an attacking midfielder. He scored goals linked with a 1.5 million pound move to Celtic. You look at an Alex Woodyard. Okay. We were a level below the great midfielder player of the year, cleaned up on player of the year for us the season before he moved. Yeah. You know, Minimal because defensive players aren't as sexy and sexy players draw the money. Non-sexy players don't. So the new, to tie that back in at the beginning, the news that we're actually looking for a striker, a project striker, to bring in and to work with and to develop kind of is, is a is a step in the direction that I think that the club want to take part of our recruitment model, our recruitment process. They've acknowledged that to draw the money and to make... Big money from players. I think they've got to be attacking players. They really have. That's why Theo Archibald has remained at Leighton Orient and not come back to us. We could have called him back, filled that left side role. He could have come off the bench a little bit. But what's he doing at Leighton Orient? Accruing value, getting goals, getting assists. And when the summer comes, and people are looking for attacking players and they've got a budget of 200,000, what well, they're going to spend 150,000 on it. ain't going to be the centre-back. It's going to be the attacking player. And that, you, know, you see that You're Theo Archibald, So it's interesting, I think, that we're going for for a a project player. Now, obviously, we are linked with Ben House. We've been linked with Ruben Rodriguez at at Knox County, I think. I think in Rodriguez, I see shades of, and it's a different time and all that, I see shades of the David Ridings kind of player where, you know, if you've got flair, you can beat players, all that sort of stuff. It's great doing it in the National League, but you step up two divisions and it's a big, big difference. And I think we saw that, for instance, in Jordan Maguire, Drew couldn't step up one division, doing decent, doing relatively well rather at Grimsby at the moment, but, you know, never was able to step up to the Football League. Joe Ward, on the other hand, you know, unable to break into our National League team, stepped up to the Football League, did very well. So I think you can, when it's flair players, wide players, they can be a little bit hit and miss. Strikers, I think there's less risk with because a good striker is a finisher. A good striker, a natural finisher, will finish at any level. If you know how to put the ball in the back of the net in the National League... As long as you develop the rest of your game and you're a natural finisher, you'll do it in the Premier League. Jamie Vardy, Charlie Austin, and um, Jermaine Defoe didn't do it in the National League, but I remember Jermaine Defoe at Bournemouth, natural finisher, we'll finish at any level. Dean Ashton, then we got injured at West Ham, but we'll finish at any level. A natural finisher, Liam Hearn. Liam Hearn, brilliant, natural finisher. Not somebody that I'm a massive fan of, but absolutely a player that you would say doesn't matter where he plays, put the ball at his feet in the 18-yard in the, you know, area, you're going to get a shot on target. One time out, one every three shots will go in. So there are natural finishers. Find one of those in the National League, develop him and train him right, and that's where you've got your progression. That's where you've got your bring him in for 50 grand, sell him for 750 grand, and arguably, if they're a project player as well, you don't have to worry about mass replacement. I think it's interesting. We're looking at bringing the project player in when we've just brought in John Marcus because, and we've already got Tom Hopper. We've already got Liam Cullen. Lots of players to learn from. And I think that's really interesting as well. And sometimes when fans look at recruitment, I think we look at how is that player going to impact this football team? When people are talking about um, about uh, getting rid of Liam Bridcourt, which I think is madness, they're talking purely about how he affects the play sorry, how he affects a play on a Saturday afternoon and you're not taking into account everything else. You know, a football club is a living, thriving beast that is alive every day. And just because you don't see a headline on the linkshire echo or, or you don't get me doing a dog walk every day, it doesn't mean that stuff isn't going on. And the players that we have are contributing to that off the pitch. Liam Bridcott is a massive, great example of that. But I think you bring a project player in. You've got to have the right players around, not just coaches. Do all the coaching you want, all the management you want. But players learn from players. Think about, think about you. Think about your first job. The very first time you left school and you went into a job. If you did, I mean, you may have gone to university and I don't know. For me, who did I learn more of? Did I learn more of the manager? Did I learn more of the person who was tasked just with training me on systems and that sort of thing? Or did I learn it by doing it with blokes? you know doing the job with the blokes who were around me um and i, I think back to jackson's i think the very first job that i had at jackson's was was on a stores at the back and i had you know somebody had trained me on the system and i'd been told by my manager what to do i learned more from a guy called paul fox on the back store than i had from anybody else and football's the same you'll be given the tactics you can have the strategy put in place you learn from the people around you. And I think for six months at least, um, that's really good. I think it's a good position. There's a great question coming from Rob Wiles. I will take questions in a moment. So we'll move on because I'm rambling a little bit. Um, so we'll move on to Ben House. I've done a little bit of research on Ben. Um scored 10 goals last season in his, um, uh, in his maiden season with Eastleigh. Before that, he had been um, in the... You set up at Reading. He's represented Scotland to a certain level internationally. You know, he's got a degree of pedigree come out of his pathway. Nobody's been willing to take a punt in the two divisions below him. He's dropped down three divisions, Championship to National League, uh, and then he's he's done relatively well. He hasn't scored. You're not going to see 23 goals in 24 appearances from him. Um, but you see an evidence of scoring goals for a young a young man. You see an evidence of the attitude that's required. I think uh, in that he's dropped down, he's fallen away from his pathway. Very very easy to slip between the cracks um, after that. But he hasn't done that, so he's shown good attitude. He's got a bit of pedigree, represented his country. So there's an there's a there's a certain level of of um, ability there, and then there's proving that he can do it in senior football. So. The, the, all of the conditions are right, if indeed that is who we're looking at. I don't know. Um, I read an article from the summer where Ben Strevens, who's the Eastley manager and who, by the way, was a very good lower league striker, Ben Strevens. He was at um, Barnet, I think. used to score quite a few goals. So he's had a good manager in terms of developing him as a player. And he was talking, you know, wouldn't be surprised to see him on the uh, the once list, uh, the scouts list for, for clubs higher up. So I think... Uh, you know everything is everything's in the balance, and just a point on that: having somebody like Ben Strevens as manager does help because I think one of the strikers who came into Lincoln, albeit on loan, and genuinely looked like if he was our player would have been worth a couple of million in in League Two, was David Summer. And who did David Summer play under? Played under Chris Sutton. And whatever you can say negative about Chris Sutton, he was a good striker. Uh, and yeah, he didn't develop David Sommer over a long period of time, but Sommer would talk about you know the respect he had for uh, for Sutton uh, as a player and how he was helping him develop his game. So, and I genuinely believe that managers who played in a certain positions are able to spot players in that position and develop them, um, particularly uh, in a, in a, in a manner in their own manner almost. You Look at Mike Appleton, very much a midfielder, and you look at the likes of. Um, Leon Bridcourt, who he okay, hasn't developed, but he's worked with, he identifies with that player, he recognises that player. That's his general, a player that was in his position. So, particularly interesting. Right, I think I've rambled on enough. I'm going to do some questions, but I'm going to start with Rob's because I do like this. It's exciting, but where could this leave Draper? Now, I think as Lincoln City fans, we've become accustomed over the last, rather, over the last five years... Having two or three strikers in a squad and nothing more. And that goes back to the National League days when we had what Matt Reed, Adam Marriott injured for a portion of the time, Lee Angle and Jack Muldoon, but Angle came in late. Marriott was injured. To, you know, we were light on strikers. Then we had the season where we just had Oli Palmer, Matt Reed, and Matt Green. That was our stage. that was it. They were our strikers. And eventually, I seem to remember at Coventry, we went 4-3-3 and stuck all three of them up front. You don't have a lot of options at that point. I think even recently, with um, Tom Hopper coming in when he did, that Tyler Walker went out, that Tyrese John Jules came in. We've always been a little light on strikers. and you look at other teams, I mean, before the recent sales, I looked at Portsmouth and they were saying, yeah, well, we've only got... John Marquis, Alice Harrison, Gasper Sadney. Uh, there was another lad on loan as well, I think. They'd only got four strikers then. He did another option. I mean, imagine that. <laughs> Sorry. I <laughs> say it is Richard Ware. Sorry. just commented, it won't come up. Wow. There we go. And I work at a time when I said he's... There we go. He's throwing me now. That's right, strikers. So, we've become accustomed not to having uh, kind of four or five strikers. I, I don't think it's a problem. I think even if you play one up front, two on the bench, so that if you need to, you can flip it and go, right, so we've played with, let's say, Liam Cullen up front for the first 65 minutes we not getting any luck against Accrington. Let's flip it, bring two off, and we'll now go with Marquess and Draper or Marquess and House or Marquess and whoever. So I don't think it's a major issue. I think what Freddie Draper needs is um, a long spell in senior football. Two, three, four months, not the odd game here and there. Obviously, he's suffering concussion at the minute. I think he's done very well. He's looked to acquit himself well when he's come in. I can see a loan spell being a good next step for draper i actually think a loan spell in the national league no lower i don't think that he should go to um to gainsborough potentially york potentially i can see a loan spell for him and i don't think that that's a negative reflection of draper's input thus far in the season i just think it's natural that to develop you go out on loan spells and you look at a lot of strikers talked about Defoe, didn't I? And I'm not liking in the two, but Defoe was at West Ham. What did he do? Went out on loan to Bournemouth before getting back in the side. This hill kills me. Players go out on loan. And so I think that that's probably the way forward. It's a good question, Richard. Right. Let's go all the way to the top of the chat. So good morning to James Atkin, Jack James Richardson, Chris Graham, Sean Simons, Ash, Steve Leach, Will Mitson, Mr Carlton, Mr Freeston. Uh, Neil makes a point players on top money in the National League now more than some League One and League Two clubs yeah uh, certainly last season with the um, with the wage cap certainly with the likes of Salford and Wrexham paying good money it's not as easy to fish in those waters I think when you look back to Mikhail Smith McLean and George Boyd you know they weren't cheap that was 16 years ago I think Quality always comes at a price, whether it's coming from Eastleigh, whether it's coming from Fulham. You know, if you're good enough, you'll cost some money. Uh, Evening Sam from New Zealand. Rob Clark, where would you say we need to strengthen now? And realistically, where would you say we're going to finish this season? Um, good question. I'll take the second bit first. I still say top of the bottom half. Still think between 12th and 14th. I, I kind of... I maintained that when we were in the bottom four. I was cautious at the beginning of the season. I did say probably, I think, 10th or 11th at the beginning of the season. So, adjusted expectations slightly. But looking at the division, looking at the teams that have got to come to Sinsel Bank, um, you know, teams that, if we do get it right, if we do have striking options, attacking options, we should be able to, to beat at home. Um, you would imagine that we can climb to that kind of top of the bottom half. And and I think some of the work that's gone in this season will be reflected in a better campaign next season. I think players like Las Sorens, for instance, will be better next year for a full season than Michael Appleton, Lincoln City. I think some of the injured players, hopefully, you would imagine might get back to full fitness by the time we kick off next season. So let's say top of the half, top of this uh, bottom half would be a good finish. In terms of strengthening, I'd like to see another keeper come in, if I'm honest. Um, get Sam Long out on loan. Let's get his develop sped up. Let's get him playing senior football. Let's get him making errors out there, learning from those errors. Let's see that. So I'd like to see another keeper. Um, obviously, we're talking about a striker coming in. I'd expect another wide player, if I'm honest. Again, I just I think with our injuries, you've, you've got to have options when you're attacking at home. We haven't had, so we come up against Accrington. It's nil-nil. You look to your bench. Your most attacking player is Max Sanders or La Sorens. You don't have the the option to shake it up. We've got a lot of Accringtons at home coming up. Yeah, and when I say that, I mean clubs that you would imagine we should be able to 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 we should be expected to beat at home, not in a complacent manner. You look at the fixture list: Ipswich, Sunderland, Charlton. You think, bloody hell! Accrington, Charlton, More Morecambe. You think. This Lincoln City side, with the expectation we have, should be taking three points from those. And coming up at home, we have Cheltenham, Crewe, Morecambe, Doncaster, Gillingham. Huge games. Huge games, those. Win those games, and we won't win them all, but if you were to win all of those games, you're almost safe. Almost safe. Because what's that? 15 more points on what we're on now? You're not far away. But those are the games where you're going to have two banks of Almost to a bank of four and a bank of five in some of those games. You've got to be able to affect those games. You've got to be able to change things. If it's not working, you've got to bring fresh legs on, fresh legs on, on 70 minutes or 60 minutes. So I think another wide player would allow us the option to make significant changes, both tactically and just in terms of fitness in the latter stages of crucial games. I'd like to see a central midfielder. Whether it will happen or not, I don't know. Um, that does depend on Bridcut. I hear that Bridcut's um, injury isn't as, as bad as first feared. So I think if Bridcut is fit and we're going to get 15, 20 games out of him between now and the end of the season, we can maybe manage without. Fiorini has been very good the last couple of games. Sanders is a player who I think has more to offer. McGrandles seems to have been more like the old Conor McGrandles. And there's four central midfielders for three roles. I think Maguire could be used in the eight, so depends on the fitness. I would have liked to have seen a centre-back, but I don't think that's going to happen again. I think the ambiguity around the injury situation to Adam Jackson and Joe Walsh uh, makes it less clear as to when we're going to have those players kind of fit and fire in. There is a danger that if Adam Jackson gets one more concussion, he's out of the season. That's concussion protocols. It's a worry. If we get Joe Walsh back, and I've been saying that now for, for more than a year, if we get Joe Walsh back, if the boy from Arsenal settles in at right-back, we've then got Walsh, Paul and Ioma at centre-half. I think you put Walsh with either of those two. Walsh and Paul, for me at the moment, would be the dream pairing, and that's without Adam Jackson into the equation. So lots of ifs and buts around injuries. You've got to be careful with budget. Let's not forget 2018-19 where Danny went out and signed Lee Angle. He signed, was that when he signed Jordan Roberts from Ipswich? Certainly signed the boy James Brown from Millwall. All money spent on players who didn't impact at all, really. So it's a balancing act in the winter window. You want to see lots. As fans, you want to see lots of players coming in. You want to see strengthening. You want to see, you know, flexing of the muscles and all the memes with the we're going up juice and all that sort of stuff. But the truth is, it's a fine balancing act. Very fine. It's getting colder out here, so I'm going to wrap this up shortly. Let's have a look at some more comments. Uh, Mr Biddles, good morning. Uh, Rob Wiles we've spoken to. I'm going to ignore more Jack James's comment. There's a slip of the tongue, not literally. Uh, Neil Carlton says, but don't young, hungry players need to play, not warm the bench? It's balancing act, isn't it? Because you can play young, hungry players, but if they need to develop and they, they don't do it straight away, the crowd turns really quickly. And I think you can affect a young player more with negativity than you can a more experienced player. So I think there is a, a fine balance. And like if we sign a project player, I don't expect that we won't see him at all. But what I do think is that we'll we'll see him sparingly. And I think if he's had senior experience at Eastleigh and what he needs now is to coach in direction, there's a, there's a balancing act. So, yes, young, hungry players need to play. But I don't think it's just as easy as saying, you know, oh, we're going to play all our youngsters because it doesn't always work. It did well for us last season. But let's not forget we had Bridcott, McGrandles, Walsh, Jackson, Hopper, all in and around that extremely young side. You'll win nothing with kids. Somebody said once, not sure who. Uh, Adam Butler. Danny Hone told me that as ferocious as Chris Sutton could be, he did get quality coaching under him in contrast to Tilson. Yeah, I think history doesn't remember Chris Sutton well. He suffers from, to a degree, something that fans perceive Michael Appleton suffer with, which is he's not what we used to call in the building merchant industry a desk banger. He's not a fist pumps, Sweet Caroline. Do you know what I mean? He's focused, and maybe that's what you come to get from sorry from having top top flight football experience. You know, football to Chris Sutton was a science. Now, I I understand that there were elements of Chris Sutton behind the scenes that were very different to Michael Appleton. Michael's very personable, very approachable. He's very pragmatic. Um, He's a reasonable man. And I think some of those don't describe Chris Sutton. But he had had top-class coaching through his career. Uh, And for all of the shitty talks on the radio or on the telly or whatever he does now, um, I couldn't imagine him having been a decent coach. Neil Carlton need a reserve team. I think the only problem with an under-23 side, as it would be now, is, is the cost. Putting another barrier between the 18s and the 23s, where you might lose the Ocean Gallagher's and the Freddie Drapers. Um, I do think secondary competition is needed, but when you have that secondary competition, you need the players to fill it. So, you yeah. for me, in an ideal world, there would be an under 21 not under 23 league so that the under 18s could aspire to play in it without being too kind of um swamped but so that you could also play some overage players as well that would be me um elliot taylor says jamie bardi didn't score many when he first came to leicester but kevin phillips as a forward coach the rest is history and there you go it's all about the players around you you know john marcus is whether he's actual execution of chances this this season has been good enough for Portsmouth fans or not. There is no denying that he's a very good centre forward. He knows how to take up positions. So, there we go. Uh, Jack James Richardson, have you heard of any potential bids on our players? I haven't um, heard of any. Uh, I would be... I wouldn't be surprised if somebody came in for Scully, but I, uh, the impression that I get is that we're not bracing for it at the moment. I would imagine with Conor McGrandall's um, it'll be a case of wait till the summer and then it will be kind of shake hands and thank you for your efforts I can't see McGrandall's going now because I think with Liam Bridcut's injury situation we need McGrandall's experience in the middle especially now he's on um, now he's back on form so uh, so Sam says, Jess George said that I think uh, I would assume Adam Draper, uh, Adam Draper, Freddie Draper um, is is not likely to be sent out on loan. I think probably next season. Bear in mind, if we get the the the, the Benhouse in, we get a project player in. Um, I could see it happening, but you know I, I haven't seen that. Jess George interview to be fair. Uh, Jason Addison agrees with me. Best way to learn in the job is learning from more experienced people. Uh, Kate Jackson says we should stop looking at loaning spells to Gainsborough the player will get games but the level simply won't prepare them for League One football as it's poor we shouldn't loan below, below North and South I Agree. agree um, to a level I think if you send a, a 16, 17 year old kid to the National League North it's more about the physicality rather than the level of football but I do think somebody like Draper, somebody like Sam Long National League North really should be the lowest that we're sending them to. I understand why we're using Gainsborough in terms of consistency of coaching. We know Tom Shaw. Uh, it would just be nice if Gainsborough were one division above. Uh, uh, James Richard, how long till Pompey go in for Grant next season? And thoughts on them signing Walker. Uh, they've signed Walker. It is what it is. You know, he's, he's, he's a good player. We know that. He'll score goals at this level and it is what it is. It's not, not a surprise. Danny likes to work with people he's worked with in the past. I also think wouldn't surprise me about George Grant at all. Um, it's a shame because I would like to have thought that any deal that we had with Peterborough had like a, a clause that they couldn't sell back into the same division that Lincoln were in. But I doubt it massively. Um, you know, I think that was just a contract clause with him. that We, we wouldn't sell to somebody in his division. So, there we go. Uh, Pete disagrees with Kate. He thinks that saying we shouldn't send to Gainsborough is the same as a Premier League club, thinking they shouldn't send to League One, League Two because the standard isn't the same in the Premier League. Yeah, to a degree. I just think when you're League One, if that was Premier League, Championship would be um, League Two, Division Three, or our League, League One, would be like the National League. Division Four would be National League North. How many Premier League players do you see going into... The national league you five divisions five steps below I, don't, I i can see where he's coming from uh ash and adam butler are having a nice little chat they clearly know each other small world isn't it um kate's arguing back with pete i'm gonna let them argue because if i could just act as a conduit for their argument everyone will go to sleep gary burst is worth offering McGrandles a new contract it is but it's my understanding that it's not likely to happen uh, because I, I think there is uh, a desire for Connor to move back north. I might be wrong, but just some of the, the the whispers that I've been hearing, I think his his partner, whether it's wife or girlfriend, is working in Scotland, and I, I think, um, yeah, I I can see him going back up to the Scottish Premier League. Uh, Cornell has arrived and said the rumours are that Ben House from Eastley is tipped to join the Imps. Um, okay. Uh, Steve Freeston says, McCarma's doing well at Trinity, whereas Adebayo Smith was out of his depth there. So, yeah, I suppose, again, it depends on the player. Jovan McCarma will be a better player for having been at Gainsborough, but you would expect next season for him to, to go higher. I wouldn't think loaning Sean Rowan to Gainsborough would be um, the right move. I think once a player has played in League One, has been part of the first-team squad for a while, I, I get Kate's argument... Um, for a player to get senior experience and understand what it's like, you know, getting kicked about and battered about and fighting for points every week, but without them feeling out their depth, I think Gainsborough is a, a half decent stopping house for them at that level. But I mean, me and Pete have me and Pete have spoken before, and you know, we've said York. Really, I think he's being belligerent, which would be unlike Pete, um, because we did say that Gainsborough, in a conversation not long back, probably wasn't the right place to send. Many of our players, he said, York particularly would be a good call. Right, so that's that. Um, Oh, it turns out that Kate and Pete are not arguing anymore. Uh, Kate said not arguing. I've decided arguing about Lincoln isn't worth it anymore. And Pete says he he disagrees, but takes the point. All's well that ends well. It's like a fairy tale. Right, we're 36 minutes in from a short dog walk that I was going to do. A couple of housekeeping points. Uh, First of all, I've been asked to... Put these on the Podbean. So I will be releasing them as a podcast. Um, they'll be, that's just really for ease of use for people who miss them first time around. So if you're watching this on the website, prefer to consume your content. Um, I don't know, what's the word? Audio leap. But if you prefer, prefer to listen to your content rather than watch, uh, see my face. You can now get it on the Podbean. Uh, if not, please remember to subscribe to the YouTube channel. I don't really push it enough because I'm not one of those types. But yeah, if you subscribe, you never miss me coming online. It might be that you, you know, you've got 10 minutes in the morning. You'll get a notification if you subscribe and just let you know that I'm here and talking. I'm not on the podcast tonight. Uh, it's Ben and Jake. Um, so that will be available tomorrow morning at midday. I think that's about it. 37 minutes deep. Hopefully Ash is now happy. Um, oh, here we go. Ashes. Now, Ash and Cornell. Uh, Cornell doesn't know this, but Ash has got a little love in with Cornell. I've got to carry this on. So, Ash, uh, many of you know Ash Meikle. Um, I'm sure uh, Lincoln Boy, my boss, um, work, I, I, gave me a full-time job not long back. A great guy, not bum-looking. Uh, but he seems to think... well, he doesn't seem to think, he is a massive Cornell fan. He loves Cornell's podcast. Whenever Cornell tweets something or puts something out, Ash will send me it and and say, um, well, midday afternoon. Yeah, Ash will send me it and and kind of say, you know, Lincoln's number one podcaster. Uh, He wants to know, when Cornell is joining me on the dog walk, it's what the fans want to see. Yeah, so Cornell, that's thrown out to you. If you can learn to drive uh, and get out here and bring a dog, uh, you can join me on the dog walk. So, no, it's great. We've got a great community um, of Lincoln City fans, content creators, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and also the fact that 50 of you have watched me rambling on about football walking around the walls for 38 minutes is superb. So thank you very much. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, and I will see you all again soon. Take care. So 90th minute, and all your mates around watching the Imps on iFollow, you've got your McNugget share boxes on the go.